Hello, I'm Philippe de Montebello, and it is my immense pleasure to welcome you once more to the picture, Conversations with Aquabella Galleries. What we are doing today is really quite exciting. The exhibition monumental of the works of Lucian Freud. David Dawson, who is himself a painter, and as is well known, Freud's assistant for about 20 years and director of the Russian Freud Archive. Michael Opping, who is known, of course, in the field as having been curator of modern contemporary art at the Albright Knox in Buffalo, and most recently, and for quite a number of years, the transformative curator at the Museum of Modern Art in Fort Worth, Texas. David, so happy that you're with us today. Thank you very much, and I'm very pleased to be here. And Michael, likewise, happy to have you. Thank you, Philippe. I'm honored to be here. Let me start with a brief anecdote, because the punchline, so to speak, of the anecdote is the very opposite of something that Lucian Freud said. I would like a reaction of our panelists on this. The picture lent by the Metropolitan Museum of Art in the exhibition, which is Lee Bowery from the back. We had a choice of Lee Bowery from the front or Lee Bowery from the back. I thought it would be hard enough to sell to my acquisitions committee of proper ladies, the Leah Bowery from the back, so that's what we chose. It's a fabulous picture. And sitting directly opposite the picture, no more than 15 feet from it, was Brooke Astor, the Grand Dame of New York. I was watching her expression, and within seconds, I knew we'd never buy the picture. Then came the time of the vote, and Brooke Astor said... I would like to speak. I have been sitting here staring at a disgusting blob of flesh. And all during the meeting, little by little, that flesh converted itself into beautiful paint. I think we should buy the picture. Now I quote Lucian Freud, who says, I want the paint to feel like flesh. So which is it? Wow, good point. Um, Lucien always wanted and said that, and I think in a sense, oil paint was made for flesh and he made the greatest portraits through using oil paint that intensified the feeling of being alive and that came, that came through. So you would side with Lucien saying that the paint was converted into an image, a portrait, or whatever the subject matter. Uh, do you agree with that, uh, Michael? Yeah, I do agree with that. I would also say that his portraits for me are more than the sum of those two parts. If you put those two things together, you get something that is really quite wild, which is why your one of your board of directors was repelled by it at first. And as David knows, I came late to the Lucian Freud party. I would love to have been there very early on when they were out till 4 a.m., chain-smoking and drinking. But I came, you know, towards the end of Lucien's life. And I wasn't the only American to come late to Lucien's life. Americans, I think, have a hard time with Lucien Freud's work because we don't have an equivalent. Maybe not, but... I mean, Lucien, I think, did become 
with these late paintings of which you know you see now at the gallery he sort of stepped it up a few notches didn't he and he did become a truly an international artist from these late works of Lee Bowery and Big Sue and this was and in David, when you you who speak from a very british perspective yeah what you've said and you too michael leads me to refer speaking of coming late to the party that we can't have this conversation without evoking Linda Nochlin and her somewhat disobliging comparison of Lucian and Jenny Saville. Where do you stand in terms of what she would have depicted as Lucian the traditionalist and the postmodernist approach of Jenny Saville. For those who listen to us and you want to quickly click on Jenny Saville, you'll see those extraordinary self-portraits that are the closest thing, I think, in, in modern painting to what I would call the depictions, and I'll come back to the definition of portrait later, of Lucian Freud. But what do you think of the characterization, uh, Michael, of the feminist, definitely the feminist art historian? Well, you speak of Jenny Saville, whose work I like very much, but I don't put it at the same level as Lucian Freud. And my gauge for that is that her work doesn't scare me the way Lucian Freud's work can scare me. It's By scared, you mean makes you uncomfortable? Makes me uncomfortable. Okay. Exactly. And again, I'll go back to my American roots. You know, we are minimalists. And Lucien's work is like, a, when I see particularly the nudes, it's like a large growing mold on a pristine white wall that you have to, you have to deal with. It's, and Jenny Saville's work can be very beautiful. I don't think of Lucien's work as beautiful. I don't know about you, David, but beauty is not quite enough of you a You really word. think Jenny Saville would be characterized as beautiful? doing beautiful works they're in many ways more disturbing really than uh, Jenny Savile's Jenny's I think paintings are, can be graphic because her way of painting yes. is all the source of her subjects come out of photographs Lisa never ever ever worked from a photograph he didn't he didn't think her self-portraits are done from photographs yeah and all the I mean that's her freedom for right. the way she can create a painting is to use thousands of different photographs I always think Jenny is a political artist in that her actual subject is about being a woman, being a woman painter, and the politics that surround that in our society today. Lucien was interested in people being themselves and being individuals and the individuality of a life and a soul. Um, when you talk of you know great Russian writers, they, they talk of people's souls, not people and I think Lucien is very much caught up in that that he paints people's souls when we're looking at these monumental nudes and I'll come back to that because I'm interested in why the word nude was not used in the title of the exhibition but you see the soul or is the attention of the artist not wholly on the flesh because he paints in a way the way Terracotta artist works. It's additive, you add. Yeah. And, and you've said that yourself. He can stay for minutes before he adds one more touch, which reminds me of what the plastic work of a, uh, a terracotta artist is. But it's all for the representation of the flesh. Tell me a little more about the soul. 
in those last interviews I did with Lucien before he passed, the one thing about those interviews was that it was late in his life. And there was no tricky language about it at all. He was very clear. The nudes are almost a metaphor for his last years of stripping things away, stripping the language away, so that there was a certain presentness. And the thing that comes up in those interviews time and again, and I interviewed him over, what, three years? The three things were portraiture is about presentness and portraiture is about paint and it's all about learning how to paint as you're being present. And that's what I feel in Freud, particularly in Freud's nudes, in all of his portraits, but in his nudes, there is this visceral presentness that is somewhere between the physical facts of the human body and the soul. But it's also the scrutinizing, isn't it, of the physical body, the, yes. the continual gaze of looking at you over many, many months feeds into a deeper understanding of that person and a record of many, you know, because when you repeatedly come back in and sit for Lucian, your your moods are different, your life changes each day and that reflects in your physical face. How do I carry forward what you've just said to the depictions of Big Sue sleeping, which seems not so much as a portrait as an intrusion, and even to a certain degree, a non-consensual one, when the vulnerability of a sitter, so to speak, sleeping, to me is no longer a portrait, it becomes a depiction. But the sleeping also signifies that she's completely relaxed in at his company, at ease in his company, and she's allowing you to stare at her. She's allowing your, her, your gaze or so, Lucian's gaze yeah. because she's completely relaxed in that environment. Big Sue sleeping to me is a monumental still life. Just an absolute... Well put. It's, it's, it's something that is literally a breathing still life and that she felt, as David says, comfortable with the intensity of this gaze and his ability to scrutinize, which the other thing about the presentness of Lucian's work that I've been thinking about, you know, Lucian doesn't have a fixed gaze. He scanned. Yeah. He moved around the room. As he once said, I don't want to miss anything. I don't want to miss... That why he stood instead of sit? He stood, and yes. he also would take multiple viewpoints in a sense. He'd move around yes. you when, if you were the sitter. So the paintings, even though they look... Um, as if it's from one point. But he's sort of added the ear that you see more of the ear or more of the chin than you actually would if you just stood in one still position. I would like to ask one question, Philippe, and to David, if I may. Do you feel there is any quote-unquote exaggeration to these portraits? And the reason I ask that is that when we had the opening at the National Portrait Gallery and I saw some of the people who were who were the subjects of these. I don't think it was an exaggeration, but I think he was alive to making the painting the best painting it could be. So it reflects life. It's sort of, the painting stands for itself, but for it to stand for itself, it then becomes a reflection of life. And it's also, I think, with Lucien, I felt like he, there was always a mixing of genres. So I talk about still life, we talk about portraiture, 
Lucien was very interested in sculpture. Yeah. And so when you look at one of these portraits, you don't think this is simply a depiction. It's something else. It's something that's sliding from one thing to another, from paint into flesh, as, as you pointed out, Philippe, or from flesh into paint. We all know the famous work of Kenneth Clark, Naked versus the Nude. Where do you place Lucian Freud in this equation? Lucian really did not like the word nude to start with, so he always used the word naked. Um, he felt that was a more accurate description of, of what it is. You know, when he asked his people to sit for him, they were never professional models. It was somebody that had a life and they took their clothes off to sit for a painting. He always felt that professional models, which you could say was a nude, grew an extra skin even though they were naked. And yes, I mean, he does not idealise, which is what essentially the nude does in right. opposition mm-hmm. to the naked. Yeah. Let me move to a slightly different aspect of this, which is response. Was Lucian fretting about, concerned with the impact those pictures would have on people. I spent a little time in the galleries, a few times here, watching people. And I saw everything from people who felt uneasy to people who felt revulsion, to people who felt fascination, others' admiration. Did it matter much to Freud what people would think? Was he painting for someone beyond himself? I mean, painting and art is a form of communication, after all. It presupposes an audience and a viewer. He definitely wanted people to look at his paintings. He thought that was the only way that art survived or had a life, was if people wanted to look at things. So he was very aware that he wanted people to, to look at these paintings, to keep, to keep them alive. And there is that quote, he said, where he wants paintings to convince, astonish, seduce and disturb. And it's a fairly concise uh, four ways of Mm -hmm. of what he wants the viewers to get from his paintings. But it is, I think, very true that art only lives if people want to look at it. Picking up on the word art, which immediately triggers into me, uh, let's say historically, the canon, the Apollo Belvedere, the Medici Venus... Uh, How conscious, how deliberate was it, the choice of Lucian to choose for quite a few of his monumental pictures, people who today would be labeled as clinically obese, as far away from the traditional canon as possible? Well, he did not want to make a circus of freaks. He wasn't chasing that, but he wanted people to be individual. And it so happened that he met Lee Bowery, uh, who happened to be, you know, six foot four and incredibly large, but very alive to his own physical body and his own performances. And it sort of worked. Lucian didn't want a type. He just wanted singular people. And it so happened that Big Sue was a larger lady, but he didn't want to over-exaggerate that. He wanted to be empathised with every sitter is what Lucian was doing. There's an enormous amount of empathy mm-hmm. and sympathy to every single so sitter. So the humanity individual as well, but one yeah. does feel a certain obsession 
uh, in his work with, he, or is that just a matter of the choice? No, I think it's that the one or two of those paintings have become rather famous, and therefore yes. that's. But you would not call it an obsession. No, no, I just think it was. No, Lucian's obsession was trying to make the best portrait he could through individual unlikely people. Mm -hmm. He said to me that, I don't think he used the word obsession, but he said, you know, Michael, if you like painting flesh, it's a good idea to find people who have a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, it's and, true. And, <laughs> that I'll buy. Yeah, that's that, true. And that he did. And also there's a certain theatricality about the people that Lucian picks. And David has met more of them than I have. That's why I was fascinated at the opening to meet some of them, to see if they were like their painting. It's also a very private, and it's just very private and personal to who Lucian would pick. It was just that was yeah. his little hook that got a painting going. It's like, oh, I think I'll... Now, a lot of people have used the term uh, super realism, not in a photorealism yeah, yeah, sense, yeah, yeah, yeah. obviously, but highly realistic, yeah. the depiction of things seen. Yeah, And then suddenly there's a picture called Eight Legs, which suggests a story, a hidden narrative. What is that about? Any figurative painting has a sort of narrative, doesn't it, in a sense? It's just that some become more... He didn't worry too much about having a story in a painting. That came, The Eight Legs came around. It's you the, should know. You're, it's the portrait of, of me, them. yeah. Four of the legs are me, and the other four are the dog. Sunny morning, eight legs. Mm -hmm. Did he choose the title? Yeah, for always, pictures? always. Um, but they were never spent too much time wor worrying about the titles. But you know, Lucian came from the. You know, he was born in 1922. Surrealism was coming up when he was a young lad. So there's always, I feel, a touch of surrealist humour in all his paintings throughout his life, and that one I think is slightly more. It's my legs under the bed, so it's a funny joke of, you know... But it works because it's a sort of stutter and an echo of me on top of the bed. So visually, it's a quite a surprising... It is. It's an ironic doubling because the dog has four legs. Yeah. And so he's equating the human, bringing the human into the four-legged situation as though they're equal and they are in lucian's paintings the animals are equal to the humans it's like it's like lucian's a, a veterinarian who's become a painter who looks at animals in a very clear way and he's not judging and that painting is all about appendages the tail of the dog too the penises they're all appendages that i think lucian found fascinating to some of us the two legs under the bed look like an afterthought and a compositional uh, stratagem. Yeah. Is that wrong, totally? Uh, well, it's a little bit of compositional strategy because it's such a long, tall canvas yes. that there was this feeling of a negated space that didn't have enough life in it. And we tried many things. We tried to put my clothes, you know, discarded clothes on the floor. It was all too contrived. And it sort of... It got exciting when I suddenly went under the bed and my legs were out. It's sort of a funny joke that, that, well, got, that it, got the painting going again. I mean, it's a classic example of when I look at a Freud painting, I, I'm always thinking about what is the sitter thinking about? What is Lucian making the sitter do? 
open her legs, close his legs. They are reacting to him. But also, Leeson really didn't want to direct the sitters too much at all. He really wanted, he, in a sense, wanted to be invisible and the person become completely who they are. Yes, exactly. So he didn't really want to direct how you sat or where, you know, if your legs were open or closed. He really didn't, you know, he was wanting to be invisible and knew the sitter become the painting. But his emphasis on the genitalia, his emphasis through often the pose where he is standing or sitting and how the person is, uh, he, he, he is to a certain degree being provocative. Um, do you think? I don't, well, no, I think it's about looking very objectionably at what it's like to be naked lying in front of you. And your genitalia there, it's got nothing to do with any moral judgments at all. But he is, he is, he and his easel are where the gynecologist would be. I mean, there are many ways of looking at a naked body. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't get away from the fact that he's looking at di sotto in su. That's what's fascinating to me is that, that these portraits are, uh, as David said, I don't believe Lucian was directing them. They were reacting in their personal way. Some of these women very demurely close their legs, and Lucian goes on with the painting. Some of them open their legs. Some of the men open their legs. Some of them have their knees very tight. Lee Bowery was such a theatrical guy that I think that's why Lucian liked him, because he was a loose cannon. He might do yeah. anything. Yeah, Lord on. knows what Lee Bowery would do. He's a performance artist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, so I think there, that's a part of the psychological aspect of Lucian's paintings. And again, it is that nudity that I think disturbs many American viewers. It did in the 70s and in the 60s. Or do you think it's more acceptable in Europe? I do. Do you think yeah. that there is a... I do. a uh-huh. I do think we are very prudish in America and very distant. I mean, look at a Warhol portrait. I mean, he's in the shadows. He's a voyeur. He's not close to his subjects. When you look at a Freud portrait as if he's putting you, you can almost smell a Lucian Freud nude. And I'm not talking paint. Do you use the term voyeur? I don't have a sense of voyeuristic. No, and he's not eroticizing anything. There's no eroticism, right. I don't think. It's not about that at all. It's about a, a living person relating to Lucian in a very quiet, safe environment. And the nakedness is there. You know, not all his portraits are naked in any sense. But the people that do take their clothes off, it's about, it's about the relationship with Lucian. And, and it's a very, very, very gentle... Mm-hmm. Leeson tells you are more complete. You're a more complete person when you're naked. A more and complete portrait, and exactly. It, and, and it's true, you are. Because, you, you know, when you take your, all your clothes off and you're just there, you feel different. Yeah, you feel more vulnerable. Yeah, more yeah, and that's what Leeson's exposed, pa- And that's obviously. what he's painting about. And, and also, so he's not eroticizing the exposure of your mm-hmm. genitalia. It's just that, that that's no, yeah. how you are. It's biology. As you said, it's the still life. It is a still life. And I did want to go back to, I know it sounds like I keep harping on how prudish American audience is to Freud, but I remember when Jim Demetrian did his show in 1986 at the Hirshhorn, and Jim was a good friend of mine, and he called me to ask if our museum would 
take the Freud show. He couldn't find anybody in America interested in taking the show. The Met, I think, did their show in the early 90s, no? It was 86 was the the, uh, Hirshhorn show. show. But But ours was 91 or something like that. Um, But saying that, the paintings of Lee Bowery came out in London for the first time, which was early 90s, 93 or 4 or something. There was still an awful lot of shock and people are rather discouraged about, oh, I don't really want a painting of a naked, six-foot naked man. And yet you say the Americans, but it's all the Americans that bought these paintings in museums. You know, the, It's true. The, you've got the one in the Met of and Lee Bowery. Chicago. Chicago got the one of me. Jim Dimitrian got the one in the Hirshhorn. You know, so it is Americans can spot great art and put them in the museums. Now, I want to conclude with two... This has been fascinating. I want to conclude with just a couple of questions or a couple of points. The first, uh, one of you used the term monumental, and the show is called Monumental. Is there a relationship... Is there a, a raison d'être, uh, or a raison justificative for the pictures being monumental of those nudes that they simply couldn't that part of the impact is the sort of life-size over life-size effect? It's partly that. I mean, I think when I met Leeson, he was 69, and the, the first time I walked into the studio, he was working on that the big painting of Lee with his leg over the chair. Mm-hmm. And he was reaching 70 years old. I was aware that he was really going to go for it as an artist. He really, this was his time, and he was going for it. And that's when these big paintings really did start. And from mm-hmm. then on, and that's why I wanted to do this show is because that's the same time that Bill Aquavella met Lucien. And Lucien invited him around to the studio. He showed Bill these great paintings of Lee. And Bill thought they were absolutely terrific and handshake together. And yeah. they worked together for the next 20 years. And this show shows you the paintings that came through that Lucien was painting and Bill was showing in this gallery and placing in really good collections. So how did you come up with monumental without nudes? You know, the term monumental is interesting because I think it's um, it's descriptive, but it's not... Uh, let's not forget, Lucien, particularly in his late work, is a master at scale. These are not large pictures, but they appear very large to the eye. And that's his ability to create an incredible presence of monumental scale. He'd been painting for 60 years every day of his life and he felt he had the confidence to really go for it. Mm -hmm. And this is what we got these last 20 years of his life. Now, my last question is Lucian Freud, if we begin to look retrospectively, jumping further ahead, sui generis to his time... Or is there a legacy? Can there be a legacy? I think he brought something new to portraiture in the 20th century. I think he showed you a new portrait of people that hadn't been done before. And it involved this intensification of an inner life of each sitter. Can it relive in a different form? It becomes an example for other artists, not something for them to copy, but that presentness that you get in these portraits is something that young artists today should look at because today art can be so much about commentary. The artist commenting on something over there or commenting on an issue, that's all well and good. But Lucian, 
I think, believed that art was about that presentness, about taking you somewhere that actually is just, it isn't, you can't be verbal pure about Pure painting, it. pure painting versus yeah. political engagement. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, on that score, I think this has been a most interesting conversation. And I thank you both, David and Michael, for your insights. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, our listeners, for joining us in this episode of The Picture, Conversations with Aquabella Galleries. 